1: They have a fun time at Pam Tastics Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for... (laughs) It's in duty, this. It's 2 o'clock. Mutiny Radio.fm. When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is time to talk about religion and belief and all kinds of wonderful things on, some call me, Tim. Every week I try to time it and you'd think after five years that I would figure out where that part of the song comes in on the opening (laughs) that I use every single week. All right. Some call me Tim. I'm your host Pam Benjamin. I am joined on the phone by <laughs> Seattle comic Carlos Haddocks.
2: Hey, how hey, you doing?
1: Hey, doing great. Thanks oh, for hey. taking time out of your day to to call us down here. In
2: yeah, I'm San pretty excited to talk to you.
1: Yeah. Uh, so you've you've had a pretty Uh, Interesting background. The way I usually start the show is you can't look into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus because you're not here, but you can imagine him. (laughs) Imagine a very white-bred Jesus with long hair looking kind of like a surfer and wearing a sparkly robe and look deep into his eyes. Do you believe in Jesus?
3: Do I believe in Jesus? Yeah, I mean, I believe that he was um, somebody that existed um, throughout history.
1: But son of God, magical powers?
3: Uh, magical powers? No, I think over time, I I don't necessarily believe in, in that part of it. Um, yeah.
1: What about like? So you, you, I know a little bit about your past. You did, you've done some Bible scholar type stuff. Uh, what about the curing of the leprosy and the water to wine? Just are they just fun mythical stories? That
3: yeah, I, I think for me, I think when. You know, when you hear those kind of things, um, you know, over time, you just start trying to figure out, like, how that would be interpreted, right? You know, in terms of, like, what was, you know, I, I always try to think, like, what was really happening, you know, back then, right? To where that's how what happened was written, you know? Sure. That's what I think. So, you know,
1: what? so you don't see the Bible as, as like a, purely truthful text. I think there's a lot of people that that say that the Word of God... Yeah,
3: yeah, I don't don't see it uh, like that. What I see it as is like this... I see the Bible as a book of stories that were written by several different authors that was put together and then over time has been interpreted as you know... What it is, you know, by various different... Like there's so many different ways that I think people come to yeah, I, I look at the system right I look at the Bible as a book of stories that were put together to help people comprehend certain things. So I don't I don't look at it as like this is the word of truth and this everything in here happened the way it is. Um, I look at it as more like, hey, this is you know Hollywood's version of what happened in reality, you know, whatever Hollywood makes a biopic, I feel like this is you know how they interpret it. You know, they they exaggerate a little bit, they interpret a certain way to tell you a story. That's, so, that's how I look at the Bible.
1: So the world was created in seven days.
3: No, I, you know, I mean, you're right?
1: It's a, it's like because we don't understand how the world was created, so we made up a story. Yeah, that we all decided to agree upon.
3: And right now, some of us decided to agree upon this version some of us came up with different versions and some of us continue to find different versions what, right so yeah
1: why do we what do you think it is about humans that makes us want to seek answers why can't we just be like i don't know why why even why even create all these texts in the first place
3: yeah i think i, I think the reason we do that is because we don't we don't really know right in the beginning when these things came out, it was because we had less of a comprehension of what's out there beyond that, you know, that blue sky or those, those night stars, you know, and the closer that we get, the closer we get to those stars, the closer that we get to understanding what's really out there. You know, the more we start reinterpreting what we think we really know about this thing called God. Um, I think back in, you know, I was just say the early days, and that could mean whatever, right? <laughs> you know, that could mean whatever. I think everyone just comes up with these stories to comprehend and make what's happening around us look scary. I think as we get older, oh, like, you scary. know, today's my birthday. Oh, happy 46. birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I just turned 46 today. So wow. I call this, like, yeah, I call this life part two, right? From birth to, like, you know, 40, where we go through, you know, you know, you know, schooled and then work and life. Some of us got married, some of us got divorced, some of us kids, some of us didn't. And now we're going through the second half of it, and we're not guaranteed, you know, uh, an even 84 years or 85 years. But I call it life part two. I think as we get closer to, let's just call it the end, um, or you know, for some it might be like leading towards the beginning, whatever. Um, the closer we get towards it, we start wondering like, what's gonna happen? You know. Um, and then for me especially I just start you know, I, I and we'll we'll get into my journey I guess, but, but do you I think believe, it just makes it less less do, scary. You believe,
1: do you believe in an afterlife?
3: Um I don't believe in like I don't believe that there I believe that there is some type of afterlife, right? So something happens to whatever it is that's operating this, this body, you you know, um, and it goes somewhere, you know, now do I think it's like, you know, do I think it's up in the clouds and there's a guy at a gate waiting to let me into the VIP line? No, I don't believe that, but I believe that I'm part of this world and I'm, I'm here for whatever reason and to do my part for however long. And then this, the shell goes into the ground, and then whatever is operating the shell— you call it energy, you call it spirit, you can call it whatever— does go back somewhere else. Maybe just goes back into the, you know, I just I'll call it the ether. Um, um, so yeah, so I believe there is an afterlife, but I don't believe in it in the same sense as like, hey, I'm just going go to go to to a better world, to a paradise, to, to in in, in a, in a in, in Ibiza, you know, right. post life, you know.
1: But you, you do, so you believe in a soul. You believe we have a soul and that, or I, do. I don't call it what you want, but that, that energy yeah, that I do. is part of I us. Yeah, I do, I do.
3: Yeah, and I, and I believe it, it's, it's a continuation of something, right? And either we're either re- recycled back into that something or whatever. And you can call it, and I think, you know, there's so many different forms of how we try to interpret what happens next, right? Right. And I think that's where I'm at with this whole uh, I guess you can call it religion or spirituality. Um, I think I'm just trying to figure out for myself what that is. Like, is what happens next an event, or is it just like a continuation of whatever it is that I am?
1: Right. And and are you—wow. So how did you—let's talk a little bit about your journey. How did you get to these? Sure. Um, when you first emailed me, you said that you come from Buddhist parents.
3: Yeah, so my mother, so um, I'm half black and I'm half Thai. My my, my father is black and my mother's Thai. And they met in uh, in Thailand, and I was born in Thailand. So in, in Thailand, Buddhism is, is, is prevalent, right? It's more of a, I saw it as a child. I saw it as more of a, as, a, as a way of life. My dad converted, um, you know, to be with mom, but there was, there was no real conversion per se, right? He was, you know, he came from like Mississippi, uh, African-American male from East St. Louis. So I think... You know they're very religious down the south, um but he wasn't so much so, so I think he he so so they kind of allowed me to have religious freedom, so it wasn't an expectation it was just you know in Thailand you get up night early in the morning you get up and you know if you're um in in a small village, there's usually a Buddhist temple um somewhere nearby, and the the, the whole community is very connected to um to the buddhists in the temples because they go there for their spiritual healing therapy sometimes for you know health wait, wait. health Thera- healing therapy so,
1: what wait the buddhists do yeah
3: therapy? yeah so, yeah so you go I, I use it i'm using the word therapy to con to help you know the westerners understand like what this was so so i grew up in a very small town so what you would do is you you know you would go to my mom would go to the temple for a lot of different reasons right so it would be to get you know blessed it would be to get some healing it would be to you know tell them your problems um and that's what the monks were there for just you know for your you know you you're there for the for the community in, in return what the town would do is we would feed the monks and we would support them so in the morning they would come out with their um sterling silver um uh, kind of uh, bowls, and so they'd be in a procession. So, and everyone would, so just imagine like a street, like a, a red dirt street, and on each side of it are homes. So the monks, so every morning, um, as around sunrise, the monks would come through the town, and you would give them. Alms. You'd give them, you know, sticky rice. Um, you'd give them vegetables. You'd give them whatever you had. And you know, a lot of these people were very poor, so you just—they were mostly just giving them sticky rice. So you—you you supported the monks, um, and in return, you know, obviously they were—they were there to provide you um, anything you need from a spirituality standpoint. So they were very—you know—they were very—they um, weren't. Looked at as deity, but they were looked at as these, these very highly, you know, sacred um, individuals. But tra- um, it's
1: just it's like training food for spiritual nourishment. But what happens? Yeah, what happens if, yeah, it's, it's, what it's, happens it's, if it's people di- don't feed yeah.
3: them? Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's a different form of giving. Giving to like you know, in in America, in these tri- Christian churches, they're passing around. Uh, you know, whatever a basket, and you give them money, right, right? to the To the church, not to the preacher. And you know, you're feeding you're feeding the monks. You're taking care of them, keeping them alive. They don't ask for much. You know, um, very humble. So for me, that was what I saw pretty much every day, uh, from the ages of you know you know whatever until I was you know, until I left Thailand at the age of six. Um, and my dad was in the military, and so. This I, is- I wouldn't
1: know how to. I mean, I guess if you're growing up culturally, that makes sense. But it's almost hard for me. It it, it puts your spiritual leaders in a place of like begging almost. And I know I know that that's right. What, right. From right, a, from right, a no, Western it, yes. mindset, right. what I see in my yeah head yeah. is like yeah. That's just it's it's like um, cognitive dissonance for me because I'm like right. they're the they're your spirit they're there for spiritual healing and they're your leaders and yet. They're walking through the street and if you don't feed them they don't eat that's like bro right.
3: right and that's and and I love how you said that this is you know from my western lens because in order to go there you know you're giving up everything right they're giving up everything they're and, they're, and you know and and there's um culturally what young men at when they turn a certain age either, um, when they're very young, they'll go into this priesthood for X amount of time. I don't know if they still do it this way. So, like, let's say, you know, it's like the you know, in Israel, the when, you, when you turn 18, you have to go and serve, like, a year or two years um, in the military, just like in South Korea, when you turn 18, you have to go and serve for a couple years. Um, sometimes young men in, you know, in Thailand, when they turn a certain age, they, they go and join... The, the monastery and you and some some stay and, and, and some um, you know some some don't but they, they're giving up everything wow. to, to be there and to learn and to train and 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 to be these monks and so only I think men, from that perspective yeah the, from that perspective where they're where they're begging um, it's not I don't think it's begging right I think it's it's um, you know we're we're allowed the privilege to um, take care of them um, mm. and and and, and in return for, um, I guess this, this spirituality, um, in terms of this, um, I call it therapy, but I, it might be just me being 46 (laughs) 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 and, 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 and seeing everything like that as as therapy.
1: Well, I mean, in the, what are the basic precepts of Buddhism? It doesn't have to do with right and wrong.
3: Yeah. It's so, So I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I mean, I just, you know, and it's been such a long, so for me, and and I don't want to come and I don't want to offend any Buddhists out there who are out there practicing because for me, my Buddhism was more about a way of life versus me going and studying it. Right. So my interpretation of it is based upon my very young mind and what I saw. It was more like a way of life, right? It was like a way of life. This is what it, yeah, it was culture. It would, I'm gonna be very very careful as how I say this so for instance when you're born into a Jewish family and you're born into it right you're not not a lot of not, you know if you know if you go by their their tenets if you're born into it and your mother side of it you know you're you're actually from the tribe right you aren't like Sammy Davis jr where you're coming in and you're converting to it okay. right because Judaism is both a religion right and maybe I'll talk maybe this is a question for you Um do you understand Judaism to be both a religion and then also uh, a ethnicity or a race of people?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I think that any any culture. I mean, you're, you're really dealing with any kind of specific food, and you have culture there. You know what I mean? You don't Correct. have to. Yeah. So yeah. there is a whole there's a whole culture behind. Uh, Jewish food specifically with right. Passover and with yeah. using yeah. leaven or not leaven bread and the land of milk yeah. and honey like yeah. the, the entire like religion, the entire ethnicity yeah. all of it is, it's it's a culture it's, right, you know, you make the challah bread, you do the, I mean, yeah. make the conditions, yeah. but then it also bridges across you know, different places in the world where yeah. you look at like Russian Jews and anyways, but it's yeah. I, I follow that through food Whereas, I mean, Thai food doesn't really have anything to do with Buddhism, does it?
3: Not necessarily, unless you look at it from a perspective of, so if you go to any Thai person's house, and that's being too general, but if you go to like my mother's house, right, uh, food isn't necessarily, as as far as I remember it, just being uh, sure you understand that, like whenever you're giving certain, like there's be certain holidays, or if you're trying to honor the dead, or you're trying to honor certain things, they're always offering like a small plate of food as uh, as a gift or as a um, or as a as a sacrifice, um, you know to. Um, to the spirits, right? Mm. So, with Buddhism, to go back to your early question, what some of the tenets of it is, but you know, there there isn't like they're they're not worshiping a deity per se, like a monotheistic religion. Like you know, my mom when she tries to explain to my granddaughter what Buddha is, she'll say the word God because she doesn't because she's very limited in her um, vocabulary with English language. So I always have to correct her to my daughter. Like, it's it's like. It's like a god, but it's not a god. This is, you know, Buddha was this, this person, right? You know, this, 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 this spiritual individual. Uh, and then, you know, we aren't going off into the heavens. We are going to be reincarnated back into, um, you know, this world, this planet as something. You know, and the, the the interpretation of reincarnation is like you die and you come back as something specific. Where I, where I believe it is, is like, like I, I believe in it as a, as a literal, like, hey. We die, we decompose, we become fertilizer, oh. right? Wow, right? so we, we, then, we
1: literally it, become, we, that makes yeah, sense Yeah, we literally become part become of the plant or something, sure.
3: Yeah, and then, our, and then our, 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 our energy, our spirits go, you know, become gas and all stuff. And then we be, you know, we go into the universe as energy. And then however we are, our, you know, our energies are taken and, 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 and you know, redistributed, that's reincarnation, sure. right? Um, so those are kind of like the main, very basic one-on-one levels of you know buddhism that, that i grew up with i never saw it as this religion i just always saw it as this is what you do when you're growing up in you know a developing country um with these people and you know a lot of people were uneducated not i'm not saying that people who, who do Buddhism are uneducated i'm just saying like where i came from we were very poor um and we you no, know, we we relied on. Um, Wait, let's you know, go. How
1: how poor? Like no running water? Poor like? No,
3: no. Like, my, my grandma. So my grandma lived. So I grew up in a town called Udonthani, Thani, which is northeastern Thailand, closer to the border of uh, Laos and, and Cambodia. So I was called was was I was I was, was called Thai Isan. So Thai Isan means when I spoke Thai, people would use would look at me and they would just call me Luke look Luke Lao. Luke means child, Lao is, you know, is you know, as in Laotian. So I wasn't Laotian, but the way that I spoke was like a Ocean dialect. So Tai San is someone who's like in the Northeast department. So in that area, it would be more like a small town and the dirt, the roads were still dirt. There were still like, the, there was no televisions in the town, but you had modern like, you know, bungalows and buildings and you have like a, like a little like mama-san, papa-san stories, what I call it, where you go and watch television like a small black and white. People didn't have televisions. So we had electricity wow. in our town, right? But like my grandma, when she would come visit, And she'd bring like a friend, and they would use like the bathroom. Her friend would—I remember the story because her friend would just be so fascinated by, by the flushing of the water, and that's that's how far back they're from. So when we go visit them, it's like the houses on like the bungalows are like one-bedroom wooden bungalows, and they're 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 raised up um, on they're elevated because. When there's floods, the floods will bring in like you know snakes and all kinds of other animals. So you want to have your, your you want to have your little um, homes um, elevated. It'd be like the the, the houses will be just like one big wooden room, and you have like a mosquito net that the family members all slept under on a on a, on a mat. So that's where my grandma was. We weren't we were in a, a semi modern city uh, called Udon Thani. Um,
1: Wait, what did your parents do? Were they? I mean, are people farmers out
3: there? Or I mean, so so no. Like my so my mom, I don't know what my mom did. She was eighteen uh, when she when she had me, and you know. Um, so I don't know what. It's so funny you say you ask that question. So in Udon Thani, you know, some people worked in restaurants, some people worked in the movie theater. some people worked at the bank, some people work, you know, wherever. Uh, my mom. So just so you we're clear, I was left. In Thailand to be raised by my aunt Whoa. and so I was raised by my aunt so while my mom and my dad um they were stationed in Japan and the story my mom tells me is I was you know she was too smoking and drinking when she had me so I was a preemie um so I was too sick to travel and, and then also um I was, I was very asthmatic this is her version I haven't heard my dad's side of it yet so I had so I stayed in Thailand from until I was about basically almost six and that's when they came back and got me and could get me out um, so I, I was. With my aunt and my mom would send money. So we were, we weren't rich. My dad was like a non-commissioned officer, but we had more money than the people in, in the town. So my mom would send money so that my aunt could have money to take care of me. I actually don't know what my aunt did. Wow. <laughs> and, um, uh,
1: were you? Do you have any like residual anger to your parents about, like? Do, do you have any, I mean, is, I don't know if this is too deep or anything, but like. No, no. I did you think, feel I abandoned it, or did you feel like, did you know your aunt was not your mom? Did you know it was your aunt? Yeah, and-
3: I, I knew my aunt wasn't my mom and my memory, my memory of, of this was goes like this. So I, my mom would come by every so often and, but, and that's a good question because it's a question that, um, that my family therapist who I've been seeing for, you know, over time for like the last like seven, eight years, she would say, she, you know, she goes, you you put your mom on this pedestal, but I think you, what you're missing is that you have to think about the separation and the abandonment that happened or that you should think about. And I never thought about it like that, right? It was kind of like blocked out. So I think deep down, there is some some resentment, but it's not manifested in, in, in anger because I haven't really comprehended that because I've been really, I was really, once I had my mom, once she came and got me from six on, I was very close to her. right? Um, but she would do, do those things where she'd leave me with babysitters and here and there. And so I didn't have any outward, like, um, noticeable resentment um, from my, you know, that I was aware of. Has but it changed I think, your parenting at all? One more time? Has
1: it changed your parenting at all? I mean, you, you mentioned yeah. passing a Yeah, I think, I, think child. I
3: don't know if it, I think for me, it's, I, I have two daughters, uh, a 7-year-old and a a 17-year-old, and the 17-year-old has, you know, she's grown up with me. The 17-year-old lived with me for a couple years, but she's on the East Coast. So I think she probably has some resentment towards me about not being there, right? And then the 7-year-old is like, I'm the world's greatest dad, (laughs) right? So I see both sides of it. And I understand. I have, I have a very strong connection with the 17-year-old, even though. So, just she's going to come and live with me this very last year, this her senior year. She's about to turn 18, so I'm going to have two girls in my. I'm single in in my in my home, and so I'm going to be able to raise both of them together, for the first time in you know in, in a. Yeah. I guess since since my my youngest was was a baby, um, and it's very interesting. Uh, since we're talking about religion, it's very interesting how both both my daughter's mothers are Catholic. Huh. Um, yeah, so both of them are Catholic, and I don't know if I have a type, but that might be that might be it. Yeah. Might they're be both it. Catholic, yeah. And uh, and my my eldest was raised and she went to Catholic school for a little bit, and then her mom is her mom has moved away from Catholicism because she's. She hasn't really seen it being that positive of, of, uh, of an of entity in her life, and then my right. daughter kind of sees organized religion. My 18-year-old, my 17-year-old sees organized religion as, you know, she has a very cynical view on it. But I allowed them to also figure it out on their own, right? right. And my youngest is going to, um, whose mother, her mom wants her mom uh, married. I was never married. Her mom married. And married a man who was also so these two Catholics are divorced. They found each other, and he had four kids, and and my, my my ex had you know my daughter. So they have like this kind of semi Brady bunch, but they're very, you know, they they volunteer at the church. They go to Mexico oh. to to build homes. Um, and so you're seven year to the yeah.
1: Is she drinking the Kool Aid? Is she like yeah? Uh, Jesus. My, all my the little one. Day. Yeah.
3: So so my little one, uh, so we're going to take her out of public school and put her into St. Catharines, which is a school that her mom works as an admin. And I go, what do you think? She goes, well, I like the uniforms. They look, they look cool. But my daughter's a very fashionista. I know she's going to grow tired of it. But I just wanted – it's a cheap – I look at Catholic school as like a cheap form of private school. Um, <laughs> that's how I look at it. And I, and I always think that my daughters are smart enough where they're going to figure out on their own in time what – they think the Catholic religion is all about, and I have every confidence in that because I'm their dad. I do not say anything to uh, denigrate and or um, put uh, the Catholic religion in a bad light. Um, I've I have a lot of people who are Catholic, and I've you know have had some great relationships with the Catholic people. Uh, the history of the Catholic Church um, is you know something that's very problematic to me, uh, mm-hmm. past and present. And, but I just I just think it's a very interesting religion in terms of I look at it as a, as a as more of a strong political entity the Catholic religion over the history of time
2: right
3: and I think with, with my with my young daughters um, I'm letting them figure it out for themselves uh, my young daughter she goes I know you don't believe in Christmas because I you know I just kind of recently just stopped doing all that and she goes I know you don't you know she goes Do you believe in God I go. So she she's asked me that as a six year old, right? Mm. I go. You know, I go. I, I have. I go. I have. You know. I do believe in a form of a higher being, and I have these conversations with her. I go. What do you? I go. And I ask her what she thinks, and you know, she she goes. Well, the, she goes. The priest or the the priest says that the, the church is in danger because uh, you know people aren't going as much, and it's uh, it's a problem because people are are losing their belief, losing their faith. And I go, what do you? I go, what do you think about that? How do you feel about that? She goes, I think it's sad, you know, um, that that people feel that way. And she's trying to figure it out, you know. Sure. And then on c- certain Sundays when I have her, because we have every other weekend, I ask her. Do you want to go to Do you want to go to church with your mom? Because I want to, you know, I want to have like the mornings to myself. And if she wants to go to church, she goes. Well, she'll be sometimes she'll say yes, sometimes she'll so no. And the reason she says yes, she goes, is because they get donuts. after
1: Oh, <laughs> see, that totally makes sense. You you, you mentioned that you don't say you don't denigrate the Catholic religion at all, but you should know that they certainly denigrate Buddhism. I, I mean, I was told as a child that Buddhism was a cult from the church. Oh, right. Wow. And that really but yes, yeah. that Hinduism was a cult and Buddhism was a cult uh. and that anything other than accepting, you know, your Lord and Savior Jesus mm-hmm. Christ into your heart yeah. anything other than that, even I was even taught that from my from the evangelical Christian side, I was taught that even Catholics are a cult. Catholicism is a cult. Right. But it was so saying, saying that you have to talk to a priest instead of having yeah. a relationship with God. Like that's. Yeah. And I'm, you, I I just think that's crazy that, I don't know everything's everything's a cult like things that people right. have believed in for thousands of years.
3: Yeah. Like I mean, I mean, we always go to that right. Like for instance, right now, you know, when you know when I man, this is like a it's like I feel like. This is something that could go on. We could talk about this for hours. There's so many different tangents that could go off on this. Um, to your, to your statement about how even within the Christian religion, there's different layers and different tiers and different sects of the religion, right? Um, so when I went to college for the and we'll, we'll get to this will hopefully lead us to my, uh, my other uh, my. So I, you know, I, went from being a Buddhist, um, and then when I when I finally lived with my parents, I became. Uh, a Baptist. The, the people in the neighborhood saw that I wasn't going to church and I was playing with their kids and like they, they would always invite me to go to church and then I would, I got saved. You know, Then I got baptized in Okinawa, Japan where my dad was stationed. And then after we left there and came to California, the neighborhood kids there that was, I was playing with, their their family happened to also be Baptist and they wanted me to go to church with them. So I went to church with them. I got saved again. First time was around like eight years old. Saved like, time was saved like, like thir-
1: crying yeah. and admitting your sins? Saved like...
3: Yeah, like like get in the get in the aisle of the church, right? And yeah. go, who wants to be saved? Come up and be saved. So then I go up, and you know they save me. Right, right so through that right. whole process. Did so I you did cry?
1: Do you remember I, crying?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember them crying. I just remembered, you know just a lot of you know whatever hallelujahs. But the thing is, I didn't need to get saved again. It was basically it was me getting re-upped, because I hadn't done anything from the ages of like eight to to whatever like. Uh, when I went back around 12 to you know or 11 to get saved, I, it was just I was going to a different church, and oh. I think they just wanted to save me, right? <laughs> um, so then when I went to off to college, uh, I went to a place called the United States Air Force Academy. So there's. West Point in New York, that's for the army. There's uh, Annapolis in Baltimore, that's for Navy and Marine. And then in Colorado Springs, there's the United States Air Force Academy. And there it's a it's in these these academies have about four thousand total students. Each class is about like, you know, nine hundred to thousand. And it's a microcosm of the United States of America. You have these kids, these valedictorians salutatorians from all over across the nation coming here from Oklahoma, from 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 Florida, from New York, from Southern California, from like, you know, everywhere and now they're in this one space and there's and there's one chapel there's this beautiful chapel there and it has these like beautiful spires you just google air force academy chapel in the chapel there's layers the top which is the biggest area is for the protestants and then below that which which seats about a, i would say like a thousand and then below that there's another area that's probably maybe like 400 people and that's for the catholics right and then you below that in the basement level, you have like a small little like kind of—it's uh, not even a real temple—but it was for Jews. And then there's nothing for the Muslims.
2: Nothing. And I met
3: yeah, and I met some Muslims from because we had exchange students from like Pakistan, from you know from Iran and from all over the place. And they had just gotten together and they had. Formed a you know study group and they'd invited me, um, and Islam means peace, right? So it's this beautiful religion, and that that was my introduction to it at nineteen. Um, and I and I and you know they and there was and I didn't know anything about the difference between a Sunni and a Shia Shiite Muslim, but they were working together in this small whatever. But we had like a little kind of like a broom closet <laughs> where we could we could pray. Like five times a day, and I remember, and that's where I became. That was the most devout or most religious I ever was. Was was a Muslim. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm, wow. And, so, yeah. So,
1: so you, so you were praying five times a day. You were facing Mecca. Did
3: you ever? Yeah, did you and ever? And then I did. The and pilgrimage? listen to this. I did. I did Ramadan. Um, oh. so the the twenty eight days of, of fasting, while and it, so that's that's no 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 drinking of water or food from sunrise to sunset. And this is a military academy, and I ran track.
4: Whoa. So I
3: would go. I'd go to military training. I'd go to school. I would go to track practice during those twenty eight days without water. At 19, that was by far the most mentally and spiritual I think I ever was, and I look back at that and go, how? Did I do that? Right. Like, yeah, because you understand how important water is. Yeah, but what is it about sacrifice? Yeah.
1: What is it about sacrifice? I ask people this all the time. Why do we have to sacrifice in religion? Why is it that in order to have some spiritual cleansing or have some awakening or have something happen, that we have to deny ourselves something? Like, what is well, the concept of sacrifice?
3: I don't. I don't. You know, let's see let's just let's just take it to another layer and go, why is it when we want something really good, we have to sacrifice or suffer, period, like dieting, getting in shape, you know, getting like anything that we do, it's like you have to deny yourself this in order to achieve this, right? right? Why is that, right? Because that's the result that we're supposed to get if we do this. If we do this, if we take away all this pleasure, if we take away all these things, then we will be able to achieve this or attain this, right? So, I look at you know when you ask that question, because like, all I heard was sacrifice. I'm like, you know what? There's like, why do we do that? Like, what is it about sacrifice that that makes it um, makes it the path to 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 get this enlightenment, to get this whatever? I don't, I don't know. Because there's you know, always
1: I've, there's always this component of in order to. Get something spiritually. We have to. to I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Ramadan, twenty eight days, no water, uh-huh. no food.
3: No. And you were and I, you were yeah, being a, a Muslim while test. you were
1: in you were in the Air Force. I can't imagine America being any more angry than having, like, I, I just I don't understand. Well, I don't understand why we. Have, yeah, this was, we in, don't like yeah Muslims this
3: was in. Yeah, this was in for ninety three, ninety four, so when I went to the Air Force Academy, right, so it was a different kind of time, yeah. right, and there wasn't there wasn't yet internet. Internet was just coming into small batches. There wasn't social media. People wrote me letters, like physical letters. And I would get letters, you know, every day from my girlfriend who was in California at the time. And so you were isolated, Hmm. right? So you read the newspaper or you watched the news for your information, but you weren't, you weren't getting these kind of, you know, they didn't look at Islam. They probably did look at it, that way, but not to the extreme that they look at it today, right? right? They don't look yeah. at it through the lens of, of what it is today. And, Although, and so back then, yeah. yeah, back then all I knew about Islam was like, this was, so I read I read the autobiography of Malcolm X and, you know, how he converted to, to Islam and how he made his pilgrimage to Mecca, and I was drawn to the religion then. Yeah. And then when I had exposure to it um, at the academy, it made sense to me because when I went to the mosque, when I went to the mosque, which was off in Denver, I mean, I'm looking to my left. I see a white man. I look to my left. I see an Asian man. I see African. I see Filipinos. I see Asian men. We're all praying together, and it was just this beautiful thing. And I'm like, yes, 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 this is, this is it. I go, this is for me. And so for the year, I was doing that. And then it occurred to me, after one prayer session um, uh, in, in this mosque, we would go, we would break, and we would go, Break for meal, and we would share a meal. We'd sit down on the ground. they would lay down newspaper, and then we'd get served a meal, and we'd eat together. Now, here's what I'd notice almost right away: we would be in a room, and then these these um, these figures who are in like their their faces are veiled. They're they're you know they're you know they're coming in. They're serving us, and then they're backing out of the room. Those were the women, and then I realized in the mosque. Where I was praying, there's no women yeah, anywhere except that. to come and serve us food. So they had this subservient role, and I was a mama's boy, and I was very, very close to my mom. Um, and then that's that's what did it for me. Actually, it wasn't all this like the, this negative stereotype of Muslim. It was just that that piece right there. Because I thought that the I thought that the religion of Islam was about equality. As an African, you know, as a half black half Asian person, I was always never fitting in. And then you started really realizing I didn't realize there was like actual real racism. So I got out of like high school and into the air force academy i lived in this bubble where i went to like i was in honors classes and i was in ap classes and my classmates were you know asian and white but they treated me well and they treated me great and i thought that that was cool i thought i was special right i thought I was more special than let's say you know other black people because of how i was being treated interacted right and they would give me like that kind of compliments like, well, you don't sound like a black person. You don't oh my seem gosh. like a black person. You
1: don't use your so, black voice. Yeah. So yeah, so <laughs> I don't yeah, exactly. So, so, so that's it's not That's
3: an the accent. kind of stuff that was yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that was happening. Yeah, and you didn't and as a kid you're so naive about it. And then you get into the Air Force Academy where you got these kids from the South or 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 the Midwest and you're like, Oh shit. I thought I thought the world was different. And so I was very naive. Very naive about everything. And and even about religion. That's why I was, I was exploring. But I was doing my due diligence, right? You know, I grew up Buddhist. I, I went to, you know, vacation Bible, vacation, Bible school. Yeah, I would study. I would study the, the book. And I, also, I remember I also had the... Um, you know how like Jehovah's Witnesses would pass out those free right, like, the golden books, yeah, yeah, and it was basically like the very colorful stories. That's how I also learned stories of religion. Is you know those those books? I remember that as a kid. I didn't know that, that was a Jehovah Witness book. I thought, like, oh, this is cool. They're giving us these free, amazingly illustrated books. Um, but I know all the I know the majority of the stories, and I read and I have the, the I still have the Quran in my house from from where I studied. Wow. And then I studied I studied the Bible as a book of literature in the at the University of Washington, where I got an English literature degree. So I studied as a as a book. Of literature as well as I studied as scripture, right? Yeah. And so I, I just I, so I, I so I felt like I did my due diligence. And the most that I've actually went and studied and, and really put myself out there for a religion was Islam, and I thought that this was the religion that I was going to settle on because it was all about equality, which is very naive.
1: Well, and the I mean now Christianity right? isn't much about equality either. I mean I I always I, there's some Stories in the Bible, I just... I don't get it. Like, the story of Lot and his wife and his two daughters. And then, like, first his wife turns into a pillar of salt because she looked back right. or she thought about right. what, what for whatever reason she's gone. And then the right. daughters take him up to a cave. They think they're uh-huh. the only people left in the world. Cause they just saw two cities get destroyed. Like, you know, yeah. Hirosh- Hiroshima and Nagasaki just boom, it's gone. And so they get right. their dad drunk and then they have sex with him. Why is this in the Bible? Like, what could right. This possibly. And there's no, I've read the passages multiple times and I'm like, It's not like there's a moral to the story at the end that's like, don't sleep with your dad. It's not even there. Like, so there's certain... Like and and that's one of the I mean there aren't a lot of places where women are are mentioned but when they are it's usually not in the most favorable light you know you've got Correct. you know right. Esther the whole book of Esther like oh look at Esther she mm. saved the entire Jewish people or, yeah. like or, how or or,
3: or, Je- or Jezebel right right you know, right Jezebel, oh well, she was terrible or the or the mom that wanted to have the baby split in half right you know, it's like you know what I mean like these are the stories that and I I I, I relay that that's exactly yeah so. I mean, you're right, you know. You know, or that's a prostitute, you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. The the, the the main characters, right? You
1: know, so yeah, Mary Magdalene, the whole deal. I, it's just yeah. So then, I, I you look what where is the equality? There is no equality anywhere. But I've I've noticed that with um with Muslims, I I mean, I I want like some I've had conversations with women who wear the hijab uh, mm-hmm. thing, and they say that. Covering themselves is empowering.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And, and so, and when they were when they were little, they looked forward to being of age, being a woman, so they could wear, so they could be empowered and wear that. And I'm just like, so it's, but again, it's my Western lens because I'm sitting here right. going, so subjugation, you're, you're, subjugation. Yeah, and,
3: have you, so you're making a really, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So, so have you. Uh, so there's a new HBO special with Rami Youssef, uh, this young 28-year-old um, uh, uh, comedian. I believe he's Muslim. Um, he talks about that, what you're just saying right now, uh, where he interacts with a, a white woman on a, on a plane, and she goes, um, you know, I was over in, in uh, the Middle East, and, you know, it was like 100 degrees, and she goes, why do you guys make the women? She goes, why do you make them wear that stuff? Meaning, like, you know, the hijab. And he's like, who? Because, you know, she's talking to him like he's this uh, representative of all Middle Eastern, right? And, uh, And she said, and she was talking about, like, the hijab and, you know, why do they make women wear that? And then he says in his comedy, he's like, just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that it's wrong. And... We look at it like you said. You know, we look at it in the, like this Western lens, as if we're, as if they are. What's, my, uh, what's the word? Um, they're suppressing women by making them wear this, right? That's just how we see things, right? And when they look over here, right, into this society, and they see the history of, of how we treat women here. In, even to this very day and I mean, just with this whole hashtag me too. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta ask yourself, like, are we treating our women better? Um, <laughs> simply because simply because they can wear whatever they want. Um, I'm raising two daughters, yeah. right? And, and I know how I am as a man. I see my, my history as, you know, from a young man to, to this middle-aged man. And then I'm out there dating as well too. And I'm dating and I'm getting all this information, uh, you know, from, from women and, and, you know, either in date one or date two, I get down to the, are you in therapy? And then what's your relationship with your father? Right. Those are the two questions. And that just, and that opens a long conversation because it, it's you know they they usually feel safe enough to have a conversation with me about these things and then you learn, um, you know and I what I learned was you know well adjusted, or not adjusted you know good childhood and not childhood there's always some some male figure in there somewhere that's that's fucked up the the, the journey you know what I mean in one way or another right dad grandpa uncle neighbor whatever There's always a male in there somewhere and you know and I've dated. Chief of Pediatrics, Chief of Anesthesiology. I've dated like you know professors. I've dated um, you know dancers. I've, you know, and, and just you just you just see these these things. It's it's it's. There's always some guy in this of uh, the history of America that somehow either did really you know help them become what they were, or just really messed them up. Not messed, when I say messed them up, I that, that sounds denigrating and that sounds derogatory, but I don't I don't mean it that way. I just mean they've had some kind of effects. Well, maybe not the most. Maybe that's most positive effects, uh, and and some very very negative, long-lasting effects. Yeah. Um, and so I take that lens and use it to try to guide myself as a father.
1: Wow, that's 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 deep. That's like some. That's like the opposite of, of toxic masculinity. That's
3: great. Well, it's it's, that's it's great here's, here's the thing though. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm no hero. Right. So I, I say that and I, and I'm looking forward to having my, my 17 year. See, having a seven year old wandering around your apartment, you know, there's, there's just things where they, they're not picking up on certain contexts You have a 17 year old, right. They're like detectives. Like they, they know what's up. Like they're just, they're just seeing things. They're like, what's going on with that? What's going on with that? Yeah. And my young daughter, you know, she's, she's you know she's always trying to tell me like you need to get me a stepmom I'm like your mom's a great mom why do you need another stepmom she goes because she goes, you need help with me i'm like cuz i need help with you so she it's it's really interesting like my daughter's concept of my 7 year old is, like all about you know she's all about the put on the, you know, she oh, she can't wait to wear makeup. She's very fashionista. You know, I try to get her into, like, all these STEM things, you know, like, you know, science, science and engineering. But she's about the kitchen. She's about pink. She's about, you know, and I don't teach any of well, that the, stuff. Well, you I know, the it, kitchen,
1: though, is chemistry. Yeah. So don't don't negate, if she likes to cook, that really is science.
3: Right, right, right. Because right. there's no, a lot no, of I'm math not, in yeah, there, too. I don't, like, I don't discourage things. any of that stuff. I You know, I cook as well, too. Um, I just, but what I, I guess my point is without me Influencing anything or it's pushing her towards there, there's just it seems like a like and uh, I'm just be very careful. How I'll say this, but it seems to she has a has a very organic um uh, uh affinity for it. Right? right. She's a cisgendered
1: um, female, and you can tell. <laughs> <yeah>. And <laughs> it's, it's, like,
3: it's, it's so interesting. And but she's, but, she, but she's also meeting a lot of. Uh, so we just had, um, 4th of July I went and so this, this woman I dated for a couple, you know, several weeks, but we decided to be friends, invited me and my daughter to her family's lake house and her and my daughter like hang out and like, you know, she'll like not hang out, but you know, she'll, she'll come and grab my daughter, they'll get pedicures. And so we're building this, this kind of friendship. Yeah. So we, so we went to the, to their lake house and it's just all like 30, 30 something year old women, no kids. And my seven year old's just having these conversations with these grown women, very independent. And, you know, they're there with their their husbands but clearly these women are are the um the uh the ones in charge right they're they're very they're very assertive they're very you know they're very independent and even you know my friend Kendall she is very independent and so my daughter's always surrounding these type of women like you know even though they don't work out with me I always like you know kind of try, try to plant them with these women and I just I just watch my daughter she's had these like she's having this conversation she's like there is mid 30 year old women and just Comfortable with it and doing it, she's 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 fascinated by it. I and mean, I'm like, yeah, that's that's what this is. This that's what that's that's what womanhood is. Like this is just have these this this level of confidence and and, and comfort and and, and whatnot. Uh, so it's interesting, you know. And then my young my my 17 year old though is is you know she's, you know she's 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 you know she's going through her own. Um, uh, her 17. own experience of 17 is know, like the
1: worst time in the world. Yeah, for I mean, she's, I mean,
3: she's coming out here because she's in a Everything. small town called McCherrystown and she went to a high school. And I told her from high school, like, you got to be careful what you do because you have one high school there and whatever happens is going to stay with you. It's going to be hard to recover from it. And lo and behold, she had to pull herself out of school, um, you know, spiraled into depression. She went to online school. Um, so she's coming out here to stay with me to have a whole new, fresh start. And it's almost like she's still in that she still wants to be that child that she never really got to be you know as a as a uh, as an adolescent and and that's so I'm working with two different levels of young women
1: yeah oh you're juggly. and you still do stand-up comedy when do you have time to do stand-up
3: I mean, well it, it works out well because um, my my youngest daughter's mom and I we you know we're, we're only about uh, two miles away from each other. So, like, like right now t- today's Wednesday. So, I have my daughter. I have my daughter Monday and Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, I have off. So, I can do like tonight's an open mic. I'll do, and then the then I don't have her this weekend. So, I have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. and There's a couple open mics on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that's when I do it. Yeah. I haven't d- so when I started doing it, that's 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 my schedule, and it works out. And I work at a job that allows me to, you know, I can work remote if I need to, and so I can. I don't travel much. Cause I'm not getting a lot of. A lot of bookings yet because I'm still fairly, fairly new into it um, and just trying to figure out what I really want to do with this comedy thing, right? Um, Does your seventeen-year-old so think you're funny? She she doesn't so she doesn't give me the credit for being funny. <laughs> I do make her laugh, um, but what's interesting though is she's a writer, um, and then when we have a conversation, she actually gave me a couple of things and I took it to the stage and got laughs on it. So wow. It, it was, and so that's, so what, so what comedy has done for me is it's brought out people I haven't seen in a while. It's reconnecting me with my mom because she'll, t- I tell stories about her and then she's like, and she loves it. And I record it and I send it to her and she shows her friends. And she goes to, you know, and she, she loves that. Right. And so that's now that it's giving my mom who used to be this amazing, uh, woman who she used to be, she's like a partier. Like her life is just like this crazy party. And now she's like, trying to grapple with just getting old and, you know, with this boring life. And so she's looking at this as another way to just vicariously kind of be out there, you yeah. know, and I feel for her because I know she's battling her own kind of up and downs with, with depression. So it's like I have all these women in my life that, that are struggling, right? Um, not that I'm not, right? <laughs> but, I'm a, but I'm in a better place now to, to not, quote, unquote, help them or save them or fix them, but just support, yeah. right? And that's what I learned, right? is I used to get frustrated because I couldn't fix, right? Yeah. And it took me until like, maybe 43, 44 to you kind of figure out, like, okay, you, don't, you I don't have to fix anything. You know, you just, just got to yeah, just try to figure out how to be there to support. So, and so I think this, this time around being a dad with my 17-year-olds, I, I'm looking forward to just being able to just help her the best that I can
1: so have you swung back around to buddhism or are you are you flying are you are you flying solo right now you're figuring so
3: i'm flying yeah i've been waiting for this question um because i want to i'm trying to i want to audit how i answer it and i think that i am i feel like i'm coming back around to to buddhism i am flying solo right now right i'm very i'm flying very solo but i'm and you know what I'm really starting to do is I'm starting to watch a lot of these like documentaries about, you know, our deep space exploration, you know, how far, we're, how we've gotten to the edge of the universe and, and more and more of the stuff's coming out where we're just actually pretty much, you know, in terms of how we look at life on planets, we are by ourselves and there's millions of planets out there, but the life, like the, the way that we have it here, we're just kind of floating out here by ourselves. And so I look, I think about that and I go, wow, I go, what, what does that mean? Yeah. and And for me, Buddhism does make the most sense, and but I'm not gonna go into a temple I'm not gonna go and and, and chant I'm not gonna go into a lot stuff I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know for me i i I take bits and pieces of what I think um makes the most quote unquote sense to me, yeah, and I go with that. I feel like you know literally we're gonna decompose and we're gonna go into 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 the into the ground. And then parts of us will just become gas and then we go into that and that and that's what I believe. But in terms of like that's my God. He looks like that. He looks like some white dude in the sky. I'm like, no, no, I don't believe that. Right? right. I just I just don't
1: but morality yeah. but morality and making good choices it doesn't yeah. it doesn't require like I, yeah DNA. like
3: i'll like i'll stomp on an ant but I, i'll pick up a spider and i'll put the spider out oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, i'll put the spider out and let that spider live i don't know why yeah i'm the but, same you know, way i like, I like yeah, spiders just, just little things like that where i think you know you know these little lives you know like what what is that you know i now it's so weird sometimes i'll look at a fly or i look at a bug and i will look at it like a, a squirrel and i wonder like what's Do they think about anything are they just these creatures that just you know they just move about like why are they here and then you look at how complicated and how complex we are and how we 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 strive to be so unique right and now in this whole social media i mean social media is like this crazy sub 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 religion right that people yeah. like adhere to it and every day is a church right every day is service and everyone's wow. just going to it right and but and does it's awful it like a drug right
1: it is like you, a drug and is it right? is it fulfilling you have to get on it
3: and you have to get off it and when you're when you're getting off of it you make this big proclamation like hey i'm i'm gonna go off the of social media for the next week to just de- disconnect and then you know in the background you're like oh wow she's so strong he's so strong you know it's like you know what i mean like it's, and I, I I got I got back onto social media in 2017, um, and to, to just for 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 uh, for marketing of my comedy, and oh my god, like a year and two years into this now, I'm like this is insane how much I'm I'm drawn to it, and how if you click onto it, you just get sucked into this vortex yeah um, well it's nothing of just, of just looking of just looking
1: i see i don't like reading. to look i don't like to look at other people's things because it, it makes me i then i feel like i'm not a good enough person or that i'm not working that's hard what, enough that's so what
3: facebook did for me and then Instagram's a little bit different because you see these photos and these images but then you're like but then it's what, what instagram did for me is like i, I used to like travel like i don't want to travel anymore you know I just I just see these people traveling, and you see the same stuff over and over again and you start getting desensitized to that idea and I and I and I travel and I've seen stuff and like like and then now you find yourself like what what can I do today? And what can I post today that's huh. going to make it seem so significant? You know, like how many likes do I, it's so weird. I, 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 well, I make nothing fun of is, myself, nothing but I do is it. Real. I do it.
1: Nothing is real unless you really post it. Like you, there are people yeah. who like <clears throat> you're yeah. having a situation, having a, a legitimate interaction or a moment with somebody. Uh-huh. And unless yeah. you're taking a selfie and posting that, or yeah. someone else is taking a picture of you and posting yeah. it, it's like, am I really, yeah. a, am I really a stand-up comedian? Unless I have a picture of me with a microphone at every single <laughs> fucking venue that I've ever been, if it's, if that doesn't exist, did I really do it? Did that, was that set real? Yeah. Was I really at the Seattle underground? Did it really happen?
3: Yes. Right. Right. There's, uh, there's one more thing I want to say that also, like, you know, as a parent, so now parents do this thing where it's like, "Oh, my life is so boring now. I'm gonna include pictures of my kids doing cute things." And every other parent is doing that. Like you just watch. Just go and click on your your parents, your friends who are parents. And sometimes that's all they got. And my my seventeen year old called me out on that. She goes, "Yeah." She goes, "You do that with Stella, my youngest, who's adorable." Um, and I go, "You're right." I go, "I do do that." 100%. And that was an honest conversation, yeah. right? And and I realized, like, yeah, I do do that, you know? And it's, it's because I'm like, maybe I'm not that interesting, right? And then, you know, then I have my stand-up comedy, and I don't even post that much. But it's just it's just weird. It's just yeah. so weird because it's be, like, for me now, it's just like, I, as I'm doing it in real time, I'm I'm watching myself, right? Yeah. I'm doing it, and I watch myself, and I'm like, why don't you just stop right now and just do something else more productive? Right. I'm like, I should. But then I just keep scrolling.
1: Well, I'm the same. I'm this pretty much the same age as you. I, I turned 45 this year. And hey,
3: that's, uh, yeah, it was and, a good year. I love 45. Hey, I'm hey, I, I don't have a problem with aging. <laughs> I, I mean,
1: I, I do. I don't. I don't have a problem with aging because my eyesight's starting to go, and so I'm just constantly beer-goggling myself. I have no idea what I look like. Anymore. I have. i like, I think I look okay.
3: <laughs> and I was I was trying to figure. I was I was. That was me yesterday too. I was like, what? Why can't I see my TV? It's like literally less than five feet away. Yeah, so I hear you.
1: It's so it's my I feel my body degenerating. I'm already like in the ground, becoming energy for something else. I'm like,
3: <laughs> i You're already decomposing. And yeah. You're about to be fertilizer, and you can already feel the, the 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 bulbs of plants, like you know, rising through you. I
1: I can feel the rhizomes. I feel them. Um, so I, we've I, I think we've got it all. What are what are your last kind of closing thoughts uh, on? You know, religion, uh, stuff. Yeah, I, I oh, you know, I, I, I find
3: I, I find that. All. And, you know, through through dating, what I've noticed is there's... It's, I would have know like, what I look at a person's... Because um, they have religion as an option, and they, they, they'll disclose it. Oh. And I, I start, I'm starting to see more and more, you know, people who are atheists, right? And on match, you can be spiritual, not religious, which is some people's way of saying, like, I'm kind of atheist, but I'm too afraid to say it. Or, or, or people sure. say, like, I'm agnostic. I'm just... I'm really... I think the last thing I want to say about religion is I I think that there is an understanding, inherent understanding that, you know, the thing that's in the Bible, the thing that's in the Quran like these are stories that were written by multiple people, right? And there's some crossover parallels, but they're stories. But inherently, you know, I think we, some of us. You know, are intelligent enough to understand that there's not this big dude in the sky, but that there is something bigger than what this is. Um, And then some of us, like me, believe that everything is pre-written. Uh-huh. right and sometimes you, you you feel like these things happen for a reason and if you can as you get older you're like okay that's I'm, I'm going through this because there's something that's going to happen there's a reason that I'm going through this right now and then down the road you'll figure that out and so I that's those are the patterns that I'm starting to see yeah. as I get older and older um, and so I don't panic as much when something <laughs> goes wrong I just need I just need to figure out what the F did that happen for right. like I was born in a developing country, I was like, I could have been a love child and just being grown up in, in Thailand by myself, but somehow I end up here in the United States of America, right? And yeah. I went to the Air Force Academy and I'm not just dance comedy. I, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm talking to you on a podcast and it's why, I'm trying to figure out like, why, why am I here and not right. in Sudan right now going sure. through that shit? Sure. Right? Or why wasn't I in Rwanda going through that shit? Right. You you know, didn't, and you didn't have to go to place.
1: the... You went to the Air Force Academy, but then you didn't have to serve in Iraq or anything?
3: No. No, I, I what happened was, like, at uh, in my ju- like in in my junior year, I I started getting into like academic probation, military probation issues, and so oh. then they, you know you have the option to transfer out. So I transferred out, and I came to the University of Washington. So I left before I felt like I might I might get kicked out of here. You know I wasn't sure, uh-huh. and I think in my head I told myself I told myself I never really wanted to be there. I'm a, like I'm a very liberal arts kind of guy, and I was like I mean, that was never my my cup of tea. Sure. My dad was like a, a career person, and, and he it was great for him to, to, to for me to go there because we didn't have money, and that was. That was, uh, you know, like almost two and a half years of free school. I had to go back and serve like a cup, like a little bit of time enlisted, oh. um, but I, but I got out, um, and that was, and that's what happened. So I wasn't, I was technically in the service, but I never claim it out of respect for people who actually served.
1: Sure. Right. Well, and you were at the weird in between time where we weren't, we weren't fighting anybody. You were right. like it was post- Clin- it was a
3: Clinton era. It was Clinton right? Right? It was it time, Clinton. yeah. So and, they weren't going to yeah, send so anyone was, to
1: Serbia like they were.
3: No, <laughs> no, 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 and it, and that was what, what's very interesting because. You know, believe it or not, at that time, well, I'm like, in my head as a kid, I'm like, we're never going to be in another war. Right. That was, that's that's what I literally thought in 1994, 95. I don't see us, you know, all those crazy wars that just happened. You know, we studied all those wars. And from a military perspective, right, and you saw what happened. And guess what? What I studied, what I learned, we're we're still making those same mistakes that we made in Vietnam. Vietnam. We're trying to fight these. We're trying to fight unconventional warfare with conventional warfare tactics. Um, so we're going to keep repeating these things, and, and now you start learning that there's a whole that there's a whole thing that's occurring. Um, why wars occur? Like you know, the thing about Trump, right, is you kind of see at face value what's been happening for a very long time, and we don't like it because it's right there in our face. And Trump's kind of like. He's basically exposing everything by doing things his way because he doesn't know how to do it the right way, right? right? And <laughs> you know what I mean. So, so for me, people have this really like, I hate Trump thing. I'm like, dude, the longer he's in, the more we're gonna see how long this bullshit has been going on in this country and oh, how yeah. how much of it is how much of it is is also led by this whole like religious thing, which I find very interesting that they hired, that they that they um, that he got uh, elected when he's not this. Typical conservative religious. No, he sleeps republic, with porn stars. But, right? and it's
1: it's just funny that like the moral yeah. moral majority is like we back this guy, and it's like he sleeps yeah, with yeah. porn stars. The, 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 we Christ, the know. Christian
3: right, the Christian right backs this guy it, who has like three babies, mamas, right? Right. And and I'm like, dude. That's wild. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know it's like you know the stereotype, the the negative stereotype is you know black men have multiple babies. Mom is like it's you know it's 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 a black thing, but it's also now it's a presidential. No, thing. No, it's a presidential right? thing. Yeah.
1: It's, yeah, <laughs> it's very all presidential. The, all the women so. who sixteen women have, have have sexual assault allegations, like from grabbing all the way up to literally yeah. rape, and all of these, yeah. and so that's what makes me so crazy about religion is that there, there's people saying. Well, killing babies is wrong and and abortions are bad. And they're like, this Mm -hmm. is evil. And then I look at it and say, well, taking away the human rights of a person to choose their own family planning and how they want their life to be, I think that's kind of evil. So then then the word evil becomes hyperbolic because it doesn't mean anything because it's all based on perspective. And so we've got one side being religious saying, well, this is important. And I'm sitting there going, what? So- Right. And right. It's
3: all just it's, it's, perspective. It's, it's, you, you customize. You customize the lessons in there to whatever you want it to, to, to to be. Yeah. Right. You know, religion's been custom. You know, the people use religion to to customize what it is that they want to do. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they and they hide and they hide behind it. And and even in the religion itself, there's infighting. Right. Yeah. So.
1: So yeah. can't we just all get along?
3: <laughs> <laughs> we can. We can actually. You do you know? think that?
1: Do you think it's possible? Do you think that? I mean, yeah. I, th- I
3: mean, I, I don't think, think it's going to get gonna... worse
1: with global warming. You don't think that, with like t- t- rising temperatures and parts of the earth becoming uninhabitable, that your ir- immigration is, you know going to, I mean, we're going to, do you don't think we're going to really start hating a lot of people when,
3: I mean, yeah, I think, I think we, I think we are, and I think a lot of, the, a lot of the people that, that we hate is us, <laughs> right? It's us. Like, we're, we're what's hated because in order for us to live the way that we live, like me, I'm sitting here on the, you know, working from home on my cordless uh, headset uh, That's that I'm dialing you with is this computer phone I have. There's people in the dirt right now right, somewhere right. with, like, no shoes and, like, bathing in dirty sewer water like yeah. in order for me to live this way right and so what's happening
1: right now yeah, in san francisco yeah. there's dirty there's people yeah. that have no shoes i yeah. saw I, I, no I, shoes. I live in a that i live in no a
3: shoes. you know i rent an apartment in a nice neighborhood and there's like tents yeah. right there in our park right over there and right. you know and, and then they, they try to sweep these people away and hide them right. and it's like, dude. So we're, I think we're, I think yeah I think I think we it, it's gonna get you know, as temperature rises and all these things happen I, I you know it's I mean I mean you know you look at you look at the great empires throughout our history you know the Roman Empire the uh, you know the the you know Genghis Khan you know uh, Alexander the Great they all fell but right. they but they existed for much longer than this than this that this, this country has existed sure so eventually I think we're gonna fall we don't want to right. but you can see it's happening, right? I don't know what that means. I don't know that it corrects itself and we become a better nation. Um, but I mean, I mean we're so we're, we're we're so all about just hiding our true our true history to create oh, this this yeah. create this image, right? Once we can accept a simple thing like hey, let's celebrate us not being a slave owning nation. Let's celebrate that acknowledge that we once were, but let's celebrate that we are no longer one and we can admit that that's you Know the kind of country that we are reparations, or
1: were.
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah, and even, 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 you know, even or, or just or just admit that we were like we were a slave owning nation and that it was shitty and it was wrong, yeah, and admit that we should celebrate, um, the uh, you know, the, no longer being one, like you know, once we can get to that point, at least just start, yeah. let's just start off there beside before we start trying to solve the world's problems, sure, sure you know so we forcibly
1: anyway. we forcibly took people from another part of the world and we brought them here as free labor to build yeah. our country
3: i mean and then try and then try to keep them as free laborers by putting them in prison right and working like the chain gang and yeah. so it's like it's this this whole history that we're just that's, that's the thing about trump that i do like not him personally but what he represents and you're starting to see a lot more people digging into the history digging into like our government like you know like you saw how many women ran for Congress, right. you know, like yeah. historically. That's because of Trump. Sure. You saw people learning more about like the Electoral College and, and what voting means. That's because of Trump. Yeah, right. So it you doesn't have to. Be. So he is like, helping I mean? like, change us because
1: what's that? Of, he is his presence. Although I hate it and it's awful, there are positive things about it, and and I appreciate you for
3: yeah for being absolutely people are like people are like <laughs> I can't stand him. I'm like, dude. He's exposing what we are. Yeah. You, you, he's, not, he's not making this country worse. This country was always worse. <laughs> we just, you know what? I mean, I love this country. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is, we have to be able to understand and be able to be, uh, to use a, a phrase from, from Amazon, we have to be able to be vocally self critical. It's one of their leadership principles. We have uh, to be able, able to be vocally self critical of ourselves, yeah. right? And just really kind of give up on this America's number one thing. Right. Let's be let's be number one at looking at our own faults and then trying to figure out if this I mean, this it's like Trump is like 70 plus. Right. And all these guys are just hanging on to this old school legacy. And they don't I don't know if they give a shit or not about their grandkids, but but it's like if they don't if they they don't make any changes, we're not going to ever progress or move forward. You know, religion or no religion. Right. So, awesome. the, the, religion of, the religion of America is capitalism.
1: Yes, absolutely.
3: That's our religion. Think about everything that we're doing right now. Like, yeah. Think about walking out of your house. What you buy today? What did you buy today? And what did someone tell you to buy today? Right?
1: Yeah, it's constant. Did
3: you, did you get through the day without buying something? Right. Just look around you. Yeah. Everything that we're doing. The things that we're on. The things we're using.
1: Right, the something, iPhone or we're selling 10 something. X, ZQ, yeah. whatever the newest yeah. one is. It's, yeah.
3: and, and then everyone's, everyone's like, the are you an American? Thing. I'm like, are you, I ask people, are you an American first or a capitalist? They're yeah. capitalists first. They're capitalists first. That's why we are in the state that we're in.
2: Yeah.
3: And I'm not a socialist, but I'm just saying, like, you, you see what, you saw what happened in 2007, 2008, right? Yeah,
1: i lived through and it. And we're exactly,
3: <laughs> we're right, and we, and we have a short-term memory, 10 years later, we're back at it again, but just a little bit different. Right. So people, cause everything, everybody, I and mean, you live in San Francisco. Everyone thinks everything's great, but it's not, it's not, you know? Yeah. If you're not working in tech, it's not.
1: It's hard. It's hard, it's hard mm-hmm. living in the city, being an artist. Yeah. Well, Carlos Haddocks, this has been so much fun and so enlightening. And you've had such an amazing journey. Uh, to come full circle, almost back to Buddhism, and it's been it's been great. Uh, I you know I wish you the best with your your awesome parenting skills and with your dating life and everything else, and have a thank good set so at much. Jai Thai tonight.
3: Thank you so much. I yeah. appreciate it, and I have heard some great things about Mutiny Radio. A lot of my my, my colleagues down here went down there, so um, I know I'll be best to meet you in person. Uh, thank you very much for allowing me to be on your Yay! platform. Right?
1: You're great. Carlos Haddix, everyone. Look him up on social media because he exists there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Take care. He's a real guy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been Some Call Me Tim, everybody. That was Carlos Haddix all the way from Seattle. That was fun. I learned a lot. He's experienced every religion, every single one of them, except for Judaism. I'll make him a challah bread. It'll be delicious. Hey, uh, holla out to everyone out there. Thanks for listening to Some Call Me Tim. Every Wednesday from 2 to 4 p.m. We're going to play. Yeah, there it is. I'm going to play some flat black plastic for you guys. And we'll be back next week with another interesting interview. Talking about God and stuff here on MutinyRadio.fm.
5: 1979 album International Herb and we heard It a Godred (laughs) It a Godred Culture and International Herb The show began with what is considered to be among the first dub LPs issued out of Jamaica It was named Pick a Dub and it was compiled by producer Keith Hudson that was the title selection pick a dub and we are off and running on the morning train on mutinyradio.fm in .sf and this is the art ensemble of chicago mm-hmm. Bowie, Roscoe Mitchell, Joseph Jarman, Malachi Favors, and Don Moyer. The Art Ensemble of Chicago recorded in Paris in 1970. That was Fontella Bass on vocals. The song is Tem de Yo-Yo. And you can find that released in a number of different forms. I found that on a compilation in the Americans in Paris series, the Art Ensemble of Chicago, Tem de Yo-Yo. Well, this is J.D. Buell, and I'm happy to be your sole driver on the morning train today. Let's head on to some music from Africa. This is Jambour. (music) I'm a fish. I'm a fish. I'm a fish. I'm a fish.
6: Siempre sonriente, tú vienes a bailar a bailar
5: chance with me. There's little little child from uh, Reckless Eric, Reckless Eric with James Nichols, recorded in 2013. that's from a mojo magazine special product, all covers of songs from the album with the Beatles, Little Child with Reckless Eric. Before that was Chuck Berry, 1957, Oh Baby Doll. It's from his first album, After School Session, which has just been reissued. It appeared as a EP in the UK and as an LP in the States. The first collection of singles into LP form for Chuck Berry here in the States, After School Session and Oh Baby Doll. Before that, Link Ray and the Rayman, 1959, and Rawhide was the song. Link Ray, of course, a great African, uh, Native American artist, Uh, he was part Indian, and we'll send that out to all of those at Sacred Stone Camp, where they have been since... April 1, protesting the Dakota Access Pipeline. Great Native American artist Link Ray on the guitar with Rawhide for our friends at Sacred Stone Camp in North Dakota. Before Link Ray, we heard another track from an album I spoke to you about last week The Roots of Chicha. That's a 2007 compilation of psychedelic cumbia music from Peru. And again, the selection was by Los Miros. They must be the band I like best of those 20 tracks. Los Miros this time they gave us Muchachita de Oriente. Muchachita de Oriente. That's from 1974, Los Mierros. Chicha music from Peru. Before that, the set began with the group Jambore. I was unsuccessful this week in trying to find any information on Jambore. I have their music on a compilation named Afronesque. came out in 2003, which is not in print. But I found a two-CD set of music from North Africa and... Regions thereabout named Casa Grande Ethnica Volume 3. It is a Spanish compilation, 2004. Casa Grande Ethnica Volume 3. The group is Jambor. The song is Bamba. Let's continue with rock and roll now on the morning train with some selections from the early 1980s.
0: the front page.
5: Take it from Pete Townshend. He's been chronicling growing older since he was barely older. Pete Townshend from the album All the Best Cowboys Have Chinese Eyes, 1982. That was Slit Skirts. Before that was The Textones. Their first album, Midnight Mission, came out in 1984. Uh, Carla Olson and the Textones doing a Bob Dylan song, Clean Cut Kid. And that rock and roll set opened with Nils Lofgren, his album Wonderland, released in 1983, and his version of the perennial cover, It's All Over Now. Well, the morning train is yet to be over. We've got some time yet, so I need to get to this memo from the Department of Corrections. A few weeks ago, I played a Bob Dylan track named Early Roman Kings, and I misannounced that as being from the album Together Through Life. It is not. It is from Tempest, which I believe came out in 2012, thereabouts. Bob Dylan's Tempest is where I got early Roman kings. Also, I think that same day, or maybe another show, I don't know how these things happen, but there I was playing another track from the album Chapters by Yuna, and found myself saying, Luna, no, that's not what it is, it's Yuna, the album is Chapters, it is still one of the best albums I have heard so far this year, so let's get to her right now.
7: My senses ignite, I feel alive. I was waiting for an answer, like a feather falling from the sky. You don't want to belong to me, cause freedom feels better. Loving that it could leave when you steal hearts like
2: mine
7: perfectly Why you gotta be why you gotta be my unrequited.